Welcome to Lift Off with Energizing Results, the podcast that can help you become a better partner in your family and a self-propelled leader with inner certainty in your business. Now, here's your host, Uwe Dockhorn. Welcome to Lift Off with Energizing Results. Let me start with an invitation for you before we dive in. This is a safe and neutral space here. The more open and honest you answer the questions that will come up to yourself, the more effective this will be for you. Sound good? Okay, here we go. Today, I'm very excited to introduce you to Dr. Tom Davis. How are you doing, Dr. Davis? And where are you hanging out right now? I'm doing wonderful. I'm hanging out in beautiful St. Louis, Missouri. Awesome. That's wonderful. Nice having you. So Dr. Tom Davis, a board-certified family physician, began building his own health system in 1994 with the first um, Total Risk Medicare Advantage contract offered anywhere in the United States. After 18 years of directly contracting with businesses, delivering cash pay healthcare, and working many to uh, Total Risk Medicare Advantage contracts, he sold his health system and began sharing the secret to joyful practice across the country to payers and providers alike. His patient education writings are available on Amazon, and he shares his knowledge freely through his website and on LinkedIn. I saw in the research Uh, leading up to this conversation, that you have published a book named Telemedicine Confidential, Keeping Your Family Safe, and that was in 2018. Before we dive into the questions, I quickly want to ask you, did you ever imagine the importance of telemedicine back then and how it is crucial with, uh, with today's challenges? My answer to your question is yes. Uh, anybody could, uh, anybody in the space could see that, uh, that telemedicine was going to create a, be a key component in healthcare going forward. COVID's accelerated it, but uh, honestly, COVID's not really a surprise. It was the fifth major pandemic in the world in the previous right. 10 years. But we knew it was coming. Uh, it was just a matter, just a matter of when. Matter of, matter of when it comes. Okay, I understand. So, Dr. Davis, tell me, who's your ideal um, patient today and uh, what, uh, what's the biggest challenge they face? Well, I'm, I'm now a, what I call a venture intellectualist. I've actually never seen anybody who, who does what I do. So I, like Sherlock Holmes had to coin the term uh, uh, consulting detective, I had to coin my own term for what I do. And basically what I do is I, I share my intellectual property uh, in exchange for uh, the positive, uh, positive results Uh, of the clients that uh, I engage with. So venture mm -hmm. capitalist uh, uh, contributes money. I contribute my intellectual property based on my experience. And uh, my ideal clients are providers, uh, organizations, uh, insurers who want to serve their uh, uh, patients better by making sure that their revenues uh, beat the real rate of inflation. And it's important to understand that in the United States, we have what's called a fee-for-service system. Uh, the doctor or the provider provides a service, submits uh, the documentation to a third party, and the third party then uh, compensates the provider uh, based on a pre-existing uh, compensation rate. And uh, for the past uh, 50 years or so, that the rate of increase in those payments has fallen far behind the real rate of inflation. 
And again, in the United States, there's really two types of doctors. There are those that do things and those who think. And almost from the inception of our current system, those who do things have uh, captured the, uh, the processes uh, through which uh, payments are determined. And so they spent the first 30 years uh, really uh, cannibalizing the uh, compensation of those who think uh, in order to make sure that their compensation uh, did beat the real rate inflation. And uh, about 15 years ago, that particular carcass was picked per, uh, completely clean. And that's why, uh, unlike most of the world, we are very much upside down as far as our supply specialists and, and, and uh, generalists. Uh, and because of that, uh, the, the uh, specialists began to see that their compensation was starting to fall behind the real rate of inflation. And they really did the only thing they could do, which is apply industrial uh, processes to uh, their uh, delivery of health care. And really, I find all this conversation of economics most distasteful as a physician because it begins and ends with the patient. But in the U.S., we have a for-profit healthcare system, and and really, it's a reflection right. of the processes that that go within. So, within the past few years, even before COVID, uh, it was pretty obvious, even to those uh, uh, people who the doctors who do things, that they've really maxed out. You can't leverage your time. You know that very well. They've maxed out their efficiencies, and so now they're starting to feel uh, the pinch of years and years of their compensation running behind the real rate of inflation, and. Uh, in this situation, really, there's only three paths forward in the United States if you want to uh, keep from falling behind and really be able to maintain your independence. And that is doing uh, care for cash, mm -hmm. directly contracting with the organizations, with the companies that, that cover their employees, or uh, do a uh, work under a value-based care system like Medicare Advantage or, surprisingly, Managed Care Medicaid. Uh, and uh, uh, those are really the only ways that you can really maintain your independence. Otherwise, you're going to end up like most primary care doctors, which is uh, going to school for 11 years, going $300,000 mm. in debt for the privilege of earning 120 bucks an hour. Nobody's going to do that, and nobody is doing that. Right. Uh, and so these organizations, which previously have really applied industrial processes to their healthcare, they um, uh, they are absolutely uh, flummoxed uh, when uh, they see the the potential of uh, value based care, uh, but then they don't get the performance. They enter the space, they don't get the performance that they want. And the reason behind that is is that they don't understand that value based healthcare, as defined by uh, in the United States. Uh, is uh, is not a, a service where um, the, the true product is doing something or thinking about something. Value-based mm. healthcare should be called relationship-based healthcare. Mm. And any, as you well know, anytime you enter any business, it is vitally important to understand the fundamental nature of the business that you're in. And in these value-based systems, uh, the understanding uh, that's needed is that it is all about the relationship between the patient and their personal mm -hmm. clinician, and everything flows from that. And that is the biggest challenge that these organizations face is that they go in, they sign these contracts with hair-raising downsides that they don't really understand, and they've entered a field where they don't even understand what they're essential, uh, what, mm. what essentially they're selling. No, I love this. So relationship-based, um, you know, endeavors. This this is really the the heart of it. Uh, you know, the many doctors, I think, many physicians, just like you, just signed up because of that, because of the relationship, because of the care. So, and I think it gets really lost in our times, right? Absolutely. 
And, right. and that's how you can tell whether or not you're in a, a good system. If the system right. emphasizes the relationship between you and your doctor, it's a great system. If not, then uh, uh, then it's time to find another system through which to get your care. Exactly. So coming to my next question, what are the common mistakes they make when trying to solve that problem? Well, uh, you know, organizations, they are distracted by the complexity and by uh, all the quantitative analysis that's done uh, in support of these systems. They, like I said, these systems are very, very simple. And it's very easy to conclude as you look at your contract and, and how you get paid that these systems are based on uh, that, that your job is to push data to the payer so that mm -hmm. you can get paid appropriately. Remember, under these systems, you're not paid for what you do. You're paid for the data that you provide to uh, to the provider. And it's real very easy to get distracted with that without understanding That uh, um, that the true value is in the relationship, and that distraction mm -hmm. is something I have to very much fight against. Because again, in the United States, leadership's been captured by the uh, the business community. They're very objective. They use quantitative analysis, and uh, you know that is appropriate in many industrial processes. But medicine is an emotional or relationship-based product. It is not an industrial product. And getting them to understand, uh, getting them to make the leap. Uh, that uh, it's a relationship-based care is, uh, uh, is the biggest challenge. And the biggest mistake they've made is, to, is uh, devoting enormous amounts of resources on completely non-medical interventions, whereas all they really had to do is uh, incentivize their primary care doctors to fulfill their passion, which is to, uh, to care for their patients. No, that's so true. So before I ask Dr. Davis, what is one valuable free action that our audience can easily implement, let me quickly say something to our audience. If you're enjoying the show so far, please rate and recommend us to someone you think could benefit from the show. Thank you in advance for spreading the word. So Dr. Davis, what is one valuable free action that our audience can implement that will help with that issue? Well, I founded my own health system uh, way back mm -hmm. when. And when we started uh, uh, allowing especially physicians to join, I, I sought them out as I was in the leadership and I asked them, I said, help me understand kind of a specialist in the mists kind of thing. Help me understand how, how a specialist thinks. I mean, I've, I've worked closely with him, but I've never worked you know, in a specialist. Class. How do I think? And one orthopedics took me aside and said, Tom, uh, there's two things in the world. There's things that keep me out of the OR and things that keep me in the OR. Keeping me out of the OR is bad. Keeping me in the OR is good. Bad, good. That's it. And I really appreciated the simplicity of his worldview, which is supported right. by the system that he worked under. So uh, when, uh, again, as a physician, it's all about patient care for me. I got to take a worldview of abundance and share all this information, regardless of whether or not I end up with that engagement uh, or not. And so the organizations that uh, are still struggling with their vision, I, I give them this tool. I call it the lens. And really, it's a mm. question through which every initiative in support of their value-based care uh, uh, project should be filtered. And it's a simple question, and that's it. Does this initiative engender or disrupt the relationship between the patient and their personal clinician? If it does, mm. if, it, if it engenders it, it's good and should be considered further. If it disrupts it, it's bad, and there better be a whole heck of a lot of uh, other upside before you consider it. 
And uh, a lot of times that's, that, that's really uh, all that, uh, all the value that I, that I offer, which is mm-hmm. just use that tool and all sorts of positive things will flow from the patient care to the performance and maintain, uh, maintain independence of the, uh, of the organization. I think it sounds so simple, but it's so such a powerful question that you that you pose here. So really, everybody could uh, should use that question in their uh, in in what they're doing, right? So let me continue and ask you: What is one valuable free resource uh, that you can direct people to that will help with that issue? So uh, again, I, I take a worldview of abundance. So I've been blogging for years. As it doesn't everybody blog? Well, uh, uh, I've been blogging for years on this uh, on this very issue, and so my blog, I believe the link will be in the in the uh, comments section. Absolutely, uh, tons of free, small, bite-sized, immediately actionable mm. uh, 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 tactics that any organization can use to do better. But the blog's not just for organizations; it's for clinicians. It's also for uh, uh, patients or beneficiaries that are looking to get care under the system. And in fact, the blog was the, uh, was the genesis of, uh, of one of the books that I wrote called Medicare Advantage Confidential, a thriller where the next victim might be you, which mm. is kind of a, a cautionary tale about, uh, about getting involved in, uh, in one of the poorly executed Medicare Advantage programs that uh, I encourage your, uh, your uh, listeners to read. Um, come at that blog. Uh, I actually have not kept it updated for the past few months because COVID has provided so many other opportunities uh, to intervene. But you can also uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I also have a Medicare Advantage Mastery page on LinkedIn, where I, which I uh, update frequently as well. It's all free. It's all there. Uh, I also am available for any questions at the at the at the uh, email that uh, that's going to be provided. And uh, again, I'm a physician first. Uh, venture intellectualist second. So please uh, use me as a resource. Uh, uh, that's what uh, I was born to do. Oh, I love it, Dr. David. Thank you so much for, for your, you know, sp- you know, giving the abundance to, to other peoples. And of course, we will uh, share all the links uh, in the show description uh, later on. Thank you for sharing that. So what's the one question I should have asked you that would be of great value to our audience? Well, the, the one value is how do you um, uh, uh, identify uh, high quality uh, health care? And mm. the reason why this is the question is because it applies to people who are getting health care and people mm. who are providing it. And really the one sign that uh, you can tell is whether or not uh, your clinician engages with you. And uh, if your clinician is engaging with you, especially if it's your personal, uh, uh, your personal clinician, that is a sign that you're getting quality health care. If you mm-hmm. feel like you're on a treadmill when you go hit the doctor's office or you engage with them over telemedicine, you are. So trust yourself and try to find another, uh, another situation for you. And if you're, if you're providing health care, make sure that that's how your patients feel, that they're not on a treadmill. And it takes more than platitudes and, and corporate statements and rah-rah days. It, it makes a commitment to divert mm. resources to the primary care physician so they're freed up to actually do what their passion is. Uh, honestly, um, there's very few physicians going into general medicine anymore. I, I, as a potential patient myself at some point in time, I, I fear I'm not going to be able to find one. And mm. uh, unless the message 
that I and my fellow uh, uh, physicians are trying to spread are really taken to heart. Uh, we're really going to experience a world here in the United States uh, where there's not a lot of uh, quality health care. And because the United States sucks up all of the primary care doctors from around the world, uh, mm. everybody, uh, all of your listeners, no matter where they are, are, are at the same risk. Mm. No, I, I, I love this, that, um, you know, the interaction is so important. And I experienced this, um, you know, maybe you don't know, but my mom died six days before Christmas in 2016 and I took care of her. And of course, I had to take her to the physician and all the doctor appointments. And, you know, and she always was telling me, why are they looking into their machine? I'm sitting here, you know, and this is just this is just the gist of it. You know, they, they are so used to just put in the data you know, as you mentioned earlier, and, you know, not having the interaction with them and with their patient that they, you know, and that's a very good uh, criteria to choose uh, your clinician. Absolutely. If, you, if, if your clinician touches the computer more than they touch you, run. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Okay. Now to um, our final question. And uh, I love this question. So where was the last time you experienced goosebumps with your family and why? So uh, we homeschooled our kids and mm. uh, my kids are now grown and they have their, their own lives. But part of homeschooling was making sure that when I came home from work is that we had time together reading various books, especially when they were older, we would read, you know, adventure mm -hmm. books including uh, A Hat Full of Sky by Terry Pratchett, which is the single best book on marketing and sales ever written anywhere. So uh, mm -hmm. I encourage everybody to read that. Well, my kids, wow. uh, for Christmas last year, uh, Terry Pratchett had a book that was published posthumously. And so uh, for Christmas, uh, we put the remade the sofa pit. And uh, my three kids, my wife and I sat there and we basically read the book to each other, uh, spent the day mm -hmm. Christmas doing that. And that was just uh, uh, they would take the time out uh, and of their own lives and 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 do that uh, with me all Christmas Day it was just wonderful and that was that's my goosebump moment. Well, I'm I'm having the shivers right now. Thank you for sharing, Dr. Davis. This is so awesome. I love it. Thank you. So thank you, Dr. Davis, um, for our conversation. It was a pleasure pleasure talking to you, and I appreciate your knowledge and insights very much. It's my privilege. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And as always, energizing results to you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on Apple Podcast, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at uve.corn.com.